0: Welcome to the Don Pravda and Erica Gray Show, The Twist. Welcome to The Twist News. I'm Erica Gray. And today I'm at Elnet at this wonderful conference on the A New Era in Europe Israel Relations which brings out all kinds of diplomats and muckety-mucks. And I'm with a muckety-muck right now. Yeah. And this is Peter Hugendorf. And, <laughs> and Peter, you're from the Netherlands. But you're with a, is it a think tank called Think?
1: Absolutely, Erica. Thank you for having me. Yes, Think stands for The Hague Initiative for International Cooperation. It's a think tank in the area of international law. And what we do is uh, we challenge the misuse of international law to delegitimize the state of Israel. It's going on for many years already in the United Nations, in the EU and affiliated institutions, and we want to get a hold on this.
0: I was so excited to meet you. I had no idea that an outfit like yours even existed. And we talk about on our show about Israel, Israel's sovereignty, how nations are bullying Israel and about the two-state solution and, frankly, how ridiculous it is. But would you like to give us some facts on what you've uncovered about the two-state solution and why the nation-states within the European Union need to change?
1: Oh, absolutely. And how
0: that may even come about.
1: Well, in order to understand the European policy, the two-state policy vis-à-vis Israel, we need to go back to the end of the Six-Day War then the conclusion was drawn by the Arab countries that they had waged three wars against Israel and they had lost all three of them but the Arabs didn't like the idea of a Jewish state in their environment they wanted to destroy the Jewish state and so it was decided that if we can't beat them on the battlefield then we will beat them in the UN and we will use international law to delegitimize the state of Israel that has been used as a pressure on the EU states. After the uh, Six-Day War, actually after the Yom Kippur War of 1973, the Arab states uh, started to exercise their pressure on Europe by denying the supply of oil, unless European countries were willing to live up to the demands of the Arab countries, including recognition of the PLO and the European states gave in. And then a political process unfolded where the EU tried to close the ranks for the sake of building a so-called European unity. And they formulated their principles in the Venice Declaration in 1980, which in fact paved the way for the acceptance of a Palestinian state on Israel territory.
0: Well, that how was, did this happen, though? Even at that inception point, when this they had voiced they wanted the annihilation of Israel, how was that missed it is at un- this early stage? At that early stage,
1: it is unbelievable. People didn't protest against it, even though, if you look at the charter of the PLO, it calls for the liberation of Palestine. That means to actually to uh, to cleanse the territory between the Jordan River and the Mediterranean Sea from Jews. So nevertheless, the European countries accepted it and they went uh, they went on with it because they thought it would bring peace. Now if you look in more detail to the uh, EU policy, the two-state policy, then you will conclude that there are three central false assumptions that lay the foundation under this policy. The first one is that many people argue that this is just a territorial conflict. You can give up land in exchange for peace. Well, as I just said, that's not the case. It's an existential conflict. The PLO, who's driving it, they deny the right of Israel to exist. The second is that the EU countries have misused international law to underpin their policy, and they claim that international law demands the creation of a Palestinian state which is not the case. All peoples have a right to self-determination but a right to self-determination is not equal to the right of founding a state. There are certain criteria that need to be met and they simply are not met. And then, thirdly, there is the idea that it is possible that a Palestinian state and a Palestinian people would live in peace side by side with Israel. Well, the history shows since 1948 that that is not the case. Unless, unless the Palestinian society changes and a new leadership comes into power in Palestine, then it may be possible that these countries live in peace.
0: Now, I would like to talk a little bit about you how you got involved. you Are not. Are you Jewish? You're not Jewish.
1: No, I'm not Jewish. What's
0: interesting too is I'm not Jewish. So here we are both talking about Israel uh, and the rights of...
1: I have a good reason to do this. Okay. And the reason why I do this is that I'm 72 years old. I was born into a Christian family in a small place in the Netherlands called Oudebater. That's mm-hmm. in the green heart of Holland, as we call it. And uh, as I grew up, I found out that actually my parents were Christian Zionists, almost avant la lettre. And that has been piece and parcel of my education. So when I studied in the University of Delft, I took time off to work in the kibbutz in Israel. And ever since, I've I've had a whole heart and a warm place for Israel in my heart. So I made a professional career, a business career, that took me around the globe. But when I retired in December, 19, uh, in December 2017, then uh, I decided to do something else. Now, December 2017 was also the month in which two presidents who were in the final days of their administration were leaving mm-hmm. office. That was uh, Hollande mm-hmm. in France mm-hmm. and Barack Obama in the US. And Hollande called a conference in Europe, where a declaration was formulated that of course condemned Israel for its flagrant violation of international law and the continuation of the occupation. Mm -hmm. And that declaration was forwarded to the United Nations General Assembly in December. And then the day before Christmas, the United States of America, under the presidency still of Mr. Barack Obama, let that resolution pass through the Security Council. So, finally, Obama administration betrayed Israel and that was a good reason for me and two friends of mine to sit together and say, look, this is enough, we can't take this any longer. Israel is condemned, it is maltreated and we need to do something to stop it. So, five months later, we had established our organization called Think think tank in the area of international law and uh, a month later we held our first seminar most notably in the Peace Palace in The Hague which is the seat of the International Court of Justice and there we actually criticized and debunked the ICJ's advisory opinion of 2004.
0: That's amazing, that's amazing for us starting organization
1: it is it is it is we've been blessed all the way by now we have a a fairly small management team four or five people altogether but we coordinate a a global network of over 50 international lawyers who support our cause who share our vision and and who agree to our mission and that is to make justice for Israel
0: and you also have um, you're also looking for members to join so, we're going to have the, the link below. And do you have a YouTube channel about your organization? Yes,
1: yes we have. And it. we
0: will be sharing. So, check on this channel for the YouTube channels, because I have all YouTube channels under channels of guests that are on this show. Oh, and well, you also have, do you have a book?
1: A book? Oh yes, we have published two books. Our first book came out in 2018. And it it's is called, titled? And its title is Israel on Trial. And it's, uh, it's available via Amazon and other uh, booksellers. And then most recently, in November last year, we published the EU policy, two-state policy review report. It's become a book, and its title is Two States for Two Peoples. And that is available online from Salux.
0: And I want to add that we have an Amazon store on our show, we're one of the few, I think we're the only new show who actually has an Amazon store. So we, are gonna, we feature our guests' books in our Amazon store, so you're gonna wanna check out that link below, because now these two books are going to be, are part of our store. But you had stated something to me earlier that was just mind-blowing. And we were talking about the European Union's External Action Service.
1: Well, what we find uh, very difficult is to get representatives of the uh, European External Action Service to come out, speak openly about the policy of the EU vis-a-vis Israel and the Palestinian-Israeli conflict, and to enter into a debate. We must realize that 30 years, or 40 years actually, since the Venice Declaration came out, thirty years after the Oslo Accords were signed, that the ultimate goal, namely the establishment of a Palestinian state, has not materialized. The policy has failed, totally failed. So it's time for a new approach. We cannot let the Palestinians nor the Israelis live in the current situation. It is not humane but we must, uh, we must find the right solution. And the only way to arrive at the right solution is for the parties to sit down at a negotiation table. By the way, the European Union was a, 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 a witness to the Oslo Accords. So it's, it's incomprehensible, for instance, that the European Union is actually acting against the Accords to which they were a witness, for instance, by building houses in area C which is strictly forbidden by the Oslo Accords. Yeah.
0: I what a wonderful
1: end. You I, organized I, oh it so no. well.
0: Oh no, wait a minute, where did that come from?
1: I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, do I know?
0: think that might, well, this, might take some of it out if they if they have it lower we could still talk that's okay we,
1: we can still talk we
0: can still talk no, because that. you are a wealth of information yeah. and he's from the Netherlands and I'm not going to see him again I'm in <laughs> Paris right now oh, this uh, event. We, we,
1: we're going to meet again but what is important and that is the theme of this conference the the theme is the Abraham Accords now the Abraham Accords present uh, a wonderful opportunity for the European Union to adapt its policy. Actually, they should forget about a two-state policy which has failed and use all the power that is there, and Brussels is enormously powerful, use the power that is there to get the parties to the table. The uh, Abraham Accords offer a great opportunity for the EU for economic benefits, security benefits, and to accomplish that ultimate goal of peace in the Middle East. And by the way, it's not only peace between the Palestinians and the Israelis; it's peace across the entire region. It's peace in Syria. Okay,
0: but I'm going to give you the but from an EU delegate. You'd get the however, however, the 27 states. The but. The EU Federalists don't really, they like their own policy, they like their own initiatives. Uh, Joseph Borrell completely ignored the Abraham Accords in a response when he was asked about the Abraham Accords and he pointed to the new agenda for the Mediterranean. Have you looked over the new agenda for the Mediterranean and maybe as an approach, maybe to move away from the two-state? Is for Israel to maybe tell the European Union, look, we can help this be a success, but you have to drop this two-state policy, which is outdated, will not work where Israel is at right now. I mean, what do you think? Have you looked over the new agenda for the Mediterranean? No, no,
1: I'm I'm not up to date with the new agenda for the Mediterranean, and I -hmm. don't think, actually, that it will work. It's more of the same.
0: Yes, it's more. Well, I, I, it was the I, failed Barcelona conference. It's revamped.
1: Absolutely, Don, you can but join the show it,
0: here. Look, we're, we're but, doing but, it's reality style, but we've started talking. You're on air. I know it's okay. We're reality yeah. style. Yeah. So Don is just entered here. Yeah. Um, Don, if you want to sit down and ask him some questions, uh, because I I, or I can try to wide angle you in. Yeah. So we're we're reality style. So we have the goofs in here. Yeah, right. People like that. They want to see the goofs.
1: Twenty seven nations, sir. There's a lot of work to do. Yeah. Making yeah. agreements. But you nation do you, by nation. Yeah. Can we really say the EU is on the same page together? There have to be a lot of nuances between nation to nation and their yes, thoughts, their yes. sensibilities. Yes. Yeah. There is there is. Also there's different cultures, the, there's nations right. that want to join forces. It's, it's weird actually that we witness that now that freedom is threatened by the mm-hmm. invasion of Russia, of the mm-hmm. Ukraine, that now the European countries close ranks more than they have done before. So under the threat of violence and insecurity, mm-hmm. uh, miracles can happen. But having said that, I think even bigger miracles have happened recently. If you think of the Arab League, who decided in Khartoum in the 20th century, the three no's, no recognition of Israel, Mm -hmm. no negotiations with Israel, no peace with Israel. Now at least three of them have spoken out openly, actually four, Bahrain, the United Arab Emirates, Morocco and Sudan. That they want to normalize the relationship with Israel, so the no peace, the no negotiations, and the no recognition are gone. In light, hmm. in light of the profits, in light of the, let's say the, the the potential of development that they see, they have decided to. To give up that uh, unrealistic no in exchange for, for a future, a better future for their countries. Hmm. And the same can happen in Europe. Europe must be must be very cautious not, not to engrave itself in, in, a, in a kind of policy that fits everybody but that is incapable of doing the right things. And there's nothing wrong by saying, look, we made a mistake. Then let's repair it as quickly as we can. There's so needs to be many benefits. To their
0: attention. I think it needs to be. I mean, Israel's in a very different place now. There's, there's no comparison to when the two-state solution was first thought of. Yeah. To now, Israel's got so many agreements with the European Union. It's in so yeah. many areas indirectly of its policy mm-hmm. like there's no comparison and I you would think that that would cause a shift
1: Could it be inertia? Could it be a necessary desire to be all on the same page exactly at the same line at the same words before you can make a decision? I wouldn't wait for it. I would do it.
0: But who do you get to? Who do you get to within Europe? There's a
1: growing number of of parliamentarians in Brussels, members of the Mm -hmm. European Parliament, who see the opportunity and say, look guys, here is something that uh, we should take note of and it has potential benefits. Shouldn't we have a debate for a start and to say, should we change our policy? How do we deal with this?
0: And how can your group initiate, and I know that's what you're trying to initiate, Well how do you initiate that within the EU uh, hierarchy?
1: It is the European uh, External Action Service that executes the policies that have been made. So, with, uh, and forgive me for saying it this way, but they simply execute orders. So what needs to happen is that from the European Parliament, if the ministers themselves don't come up with change, then through the European Parliament, change must be proposed and brought forward in the European Parliament, and then the committee should pick it up. So is it maybe, it.
0: Is it reaching the delegation that's in the Parliament for Israel? Is it reaching Yes, and be
1: working with it? them. Be working with them. Now I must say that um, our our expertise is in the area of international law. Right? Okay. We we are no policy makers, but we do have suggestions, and those suggestions we we uh, we send to uh, fire partners mm-hmm. and directly to national governments. and And the national governments they are represented in Brussels on all levels, so there an impact can be made.
0: That sounds positive. That it sounds is very. It positive. is.
1: It's it's uh, it's not easy, and it's broad. But, I mean, the the opportunity is there and the time is now to do it. Let's not wait any longer, let's reap the benefits when we can. If you look at the enormous potential that Israel, for instance, has to offer with its natural gas and oil reserves Mm -hmm. in the Mediterranean, and we all know the story about high tech, about the the, the medical capabilities of the state of Israel, and in so many other areas, uh, I mentioned technology, but also scientific areas, broadly speaking, in the area of agriculture, uh, in the area of water even.
0: That's why there's no comparison. This, this two-state solution was thought up when Israel was at a much different place and now, Israel is the 8th most powerful yes. nation in the world, it is. has so many different areas it's contributing to the EU. I, I think that Israel needs to punch up to its weight and say no way to a two-state solution, but you don't agree with that.
1: No, I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you. What I think is that uh, when it comes to a two-state solution, it's the two parties that need to sit together at a table. And if they agree, that there is room for two states, provided that the security of the state of Israel is guaranteed, mm-hmm. and provided that the Palestinian Authority transforms their, con- their their constellation into a state that qualifies and that satisfies the criteria that hold for a state, then that could be possible. We're not precluding that. But why wait for it if the parties don't come to the table to just reap the benefits of closer collaboration with Israel? And that would also be to the benefit of the Palestinians. If Israel prospers and the Palestinians open up, then Absolutely. they will prosper too.
0: Absolutely. There is That's so much stated.
1: to gain. Yes. There's yes. And let it not be misunderstood. When we say that the security of Israel is at stake, we do not mean to say that therefore the Palestinians should disappear. What we mean to say is that these need to be respected and there needs to be a balance. And as long as that balance and openness isn't there, it won't work. As long as the Palestinians have in their charter the ethnic cleansing of the territory between the Jordan River and the Mediterranean Sea, there will never be peace.
0: It's in their charter.
1: It's in the charter. It's
0: actually in their charter, and wow. The... Anyway, I think I'm uh, getting, we're getting, we they're about to use this room. We need to wrap up. But as I stated, uh, we've got two of his books that are in our Amazon store. Check the link below. Also, uh, check out the link for your YouTube channel. I'm going to be sharing your YouTube channel and look at his organization called Think for Possible Membership.
1: Oh absolutely. We invite you to become a member. This is a great opportunity to become supporters of our work. The more money we have, the more we can do. And and we're ready and we, to do it. So we should join. Take the chance. Yes, yes, yes. Take We'd the like chance to become a member of your group. And oh absolutely. We are here for LDAT in Paris as well. Thank you. So thank you.
0: Till next time. Thank you. Time. We will be having you again.
1: It's time for more from Don Provder and Erica Gray for their twist on world news.